Hi, I'm Will, a bilingual English teacher and American expat living in Germany. And I'm Brenna, the editor of a literary magazine and a contrarian bookworm. Welcome to Scribes and Bibe, where we get tipsy and talk about etymology. We look up words with weird and shameful pasts or strange and contradictory meanings and then tell each other about them. The imbibing is primarily there to excuse the fact that I can't pronounce most morphemes to save my life. Get oriented, folks. This week we talk about directions and how everything comes back to the east, Will wings it with every possible term for improvisation, and we kind of decide to become shoutcasters for chainsaw football. Enjoy. words to the wall to the window all right <laughs> none of these are the none of these are the words we're talking no no about. <laughs> i would love to go first please do all right i am going to finagle something and that's the word that i'm going to start with because i haven't heard it or read it in a long time and i was thinking of it today when i was in the shower to finagle things what were you finagling in the shower Oh, I was <laughs> I was finagling my own personal hygiene. Sure, Because uh, sure. to finagle something is to trick, swindle, or cheat a person, or to get or achieve something via guile, trickery, or manipulation, or to practice deception or fraud, to scheme. And I wasn't actually finagling in the shower because, <laughs> I don't know, I trick myself... Tricked in- your body into hygiene. Yeah. Haha. <laughs> gotcha. Wait, isn't that essentially what all men's body wash actually is? Like, I don't know if this is true mm. in Germany, but mm-hmm. in the States, it's always like commercials of like filthy dudes playing like chainsaw football. And then they're like, <laughs> do you need to get radically clean? Well, it's time for gun dirt the soap rub it on your body and you'll smell like a dumpster but it's not like you're you're tricking yourself into being a cleaner human <laughs> oh i want i want you and i to be shoutcasters and announcers for um chainsaw football <laughs> it would it would be a very popular very brief sport exactly anyways once upon a time in the 1920s, late 1920s, is when this word was born. And it's it was born in our homeland, in the U.S. of A. Mm. However, it is related to the British dialect for to shirk or evade work or responsibility. And the word is finague, basically. Finague. And that is of uncertain origin, which makes Mm. sense for things in British dialect because, I don't know, the obvious example of Cockney English where the hop skips and jumps that you have to take to get to the origin of a word are mind-boggling to me. Well, there's that, and then there's, like, the obvious, like, xenophobia that goes into a lot of their slang Mm. as well, like, to, like, Welsh on a debt or to go Dutch. I mean, those are all, like, the sort of contempt you have for other (laughs) countries. So if, like, I don't know, finagle was somehow related to the Finns, I wouldn't be surprised. (laughs) Well, I got got into a uh, directional tangent in my search this week. Do tell. 
I want to start with the word Austria, as in, you know, the, the country. Near, near you at this moment, not super near me. So in old high German, uh, Ostar means eastern from the Proto-Germanic Ost, just literally means toward the sunrise. And in the Central European nations, there was the, uh, the Charlemagne Empire, and Austria was on the very eastern edge of that. And so the country just literally means to the east, toward the sunrise, <laughs> eastern edge of the... And I was like, cool, that, that is very logical. That makes sense to me. And then I was like, so how does Australia fit into this? <laughs> and this is where it gets really fucking stupid, because Australia comes from the Latin oster, meaning south wind. And the original term for it was terra australis, which Ooh. means hypothetical southern continent. Like, people knew, or they had, like, a, a sense back in the day that there was another fucking continent to Down the south. Down there. Down there, yeah. But or nobody knew what it was. Nobody, like, knew how to huh. get there. They just, they just had, like, a feeling. <laughs> and so when it was found, the Dutch called it New Holland. But then someone who was like, no, Latin is more important than the Dutch. See, the fucking Dutch and the Finns. And anyway, they were like, no, no. <laughs> Instead of Terra Australis, we'll call it Australia. It'll be fun. It'll be like a little callback to when no one knew what the fuck was going on yeah. on the globe. So we, we have two countries, Australia and we've got Austria, and they have completely different origins and they mean different directions, but they sound exactly the same. And that is what is really stupid. I like it. I don't like that they don't mean the same thing, but I do like it. <laughs> yeah, so the next time someone's like, oh, crap, do I mean Aust Austria or do I mean Australia? You'd be like, those are not even remotely related. So Yeah, one's in the east together. and one's hypothetically to the south. Get with it. Yeah. Also, <laughs> why do we name things based on the direction they are from, like, like saying, like, Australia is to the south, but, like, to the south of what? Yeah, but, I mean, that's when we get into the whole, what what did colonization do to things like direction and how we look at maps? Hmm, right. And, like, where we choose to, like, split. Because, like, if you're going to unfurl a globe into, mm. like, a map, you have mm -hmm. to decide where that seam is going to be. They talk about this in the West Wing with the Gall-Peters projection, and we don't have mm -hmm. to get into that. I will be covering Asia and the Orient next, but I would love to hear... Uh, what word do you have in the meantime? All right. Well, this is one that I think you could apply to map making through the ages because it's it's the phrase jury rigging or to jury rig. And just simple basic definition is as a verb, it's the process of making makeshift repairs with whatever you have at hand. As a noun, it's obviously just the result of whatever it was that you jury rigged. And most of jury rigging has to do with boat stuff because of the word rigging. And once, once upon a time, so there was a proper term called jury mast, which is kind of one step removed from the French jour, which is a day. And you would basically have a mast that you use as a temporary spare mast if your other proper mast was broken, washed away, burnt, what have you. So then you've got your mast for a day. And, obviously, Latin also has something to say about the origin of this term, which is that ajuri, ajurie, and ajutare have to do with aid, help, and relief. And all of that is going into jury. Rig itself, that's basically just the, the bits of the boat, mostly ropes. And so if you've got aid and bits of the boat, mostly rope, you come up with jury rig. 
That is wild. Okay, I'm going to admit something. When I was a teenager, I just assumed the term came from, like, rigging a jury. Oh! <laughs> like, mm-hmm. You know, like, convincing the jury to, like, go one way or the other on a... That's so wrong. It's very, very, very wrong. <laughs> <laughs> the opposite direction. And you know. wonderfully, English came up with or literature came up with MacGyver, and that has become a verb as well to jerry-rig something. There's also jerry-built and jerry-rigged. These are all basically the same term. Making something with what you have at hand, and it's probably not going to be top-notch, but it'll do. Well, I'm gonna I'm going to uh, reorient us towards directions and uh, talk about the terms twin terms. I feel here Asia and the Orient, which has quite rightly fallen out of favor as an actual term for Asia. Mm-hmm. Asia itself is from the 1300s, from the Greek Asia, uh, which they're not sure about this, but they think it comes from Akkadian, asu, meaning to go out or to rise in reference of the sun. So Asia actually means the land of the sunrise, oh. which shouldn't be too surprising because Asia was coined by Pliny, He was looking mostly toward the Middle East, and he was just like, anything east is the land of the sunrise. It is Asia. (laughs) Very (laughs) Eurocentric. People people being in one place and being like, that is east. That is what we will call it. It is east land now. (laughs) Land of east. (laughs) Mm -hmm. If you go there and there's no more east, I don't know what to tell you. That is now west. I don't know. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. I I was curious about that. I was like, okay, Asia, well, how does that compare to the Orient? Since, like, we also have the word Orient to write oneself to get one's, like, proper bearings and directions. So Mm -hmm. I looked at the Orient, which is also from the 1300s. Uh, It comes from the present participle of Oriri, which means, you guessed it, to rise. (laughs) So so the Latin Orientum (laughs) means the rising sun, the east, the part of the sky where the sun rises. So it is also, uh, one of them is Greek and the other is Latin. Both mean the land of the rising sun. And so I, I, I took a look at how that compares to Orient, just as a, a verb. And that is from 1727, from the French sorienter. Uh, it means to take one's bearings. But literally it translates as to face the east. Mm. So... <laughs> <laughs> nice. So there you go. Now you know that if you need to reorient, you must, uh, by law, face the east. And if you can't find it, then you're not technically oriented. You are discombobulated. Yes. So if we assume, though, that most people think of the Earth as um, a disk up until 1200s or 1300s, then it makes a lot of sense to think of orienting yourself based on the rising sun, which has to rise at the beginning of the disk in the east. It makes sense to me. Until you think about, okay, well, now what? Now we've got, I guess, enough language history that hasn't changed the word. I mean, it's. It, I guess it's worth asking what people in those countries call their own countries instead of... The, well, we've decided to call an entire continent. Hmm. Maybe there's a better term for it that we're not using that doesn't come from Greek and Latin. Yeah. One true continent. <laughs> and everything else is the other continents. To misquote Mr. Pratchett in... The carpet people. What, there's a there's a good joke that Pratchett has in there where he has a book that one of the Rincewind novels that takes place in Australia yes. or his version of Australia. But the continent is called XXX because nobody knows if it exists or where uh-huh. it is. And I think that's pretty funny if you know that Australia comes from Terra Australis or like unknown southern continent. Like mm-hmm. that's 
That's a pretty good joke. Yeah. Well done, Mr. Pratchett. Okay. Can we come back from our tangent? Yeah. All right. Then let us return on wings, uh, idiomatic wings, to the term to wing it or to do something on the fly. You'll note that my theme is kind of just improvising, winging it. On the fly, as uh, an early known use, is 1856, related to baseball. Um, There was an an article, a book, The American Boys Book of Sports and Games, published in New York in 1864, blah-de-blah, when the others should not strive to catch the ball on the fly, but only in case of its being mistaken on the bound. So it was already in proper official use on the fly, but only referring to literally catching the ball. Since then, it's become much more abstract and saying, yeah, just wing it. To wing it is probably from theatrical slang and probably has to do with the idea or the tactic of, say, you, Brenna, are going to stand in for me, but you haven't had a whole lot of time to prepare things or the part. So you basically study the part in between scenes while you wait off stage, and then in you wing the wings. it. Wings. Oh, that's because so cool. you're in the wings exactly, which I like as an explanation. And it was definitely first recorded in 1885. Yeah, and I like it because I immediately thought when I was putting this together earlier today, I was thinking of someone just suddenly growing wings and all a flutter carrying out whatever role they're supposed to be playing on stage. Well, I love that when you started this, you were like winging it and on the fly, I immediately thought of birds and I thought like both were going to have origins in actual flight, but like one Mm -hmm. of them's baseball and one of them's theater. That's fucking awesome. Yeah, I was actually, I was hoping it would have a different background and at least a somewhat older background. Somehow 1856 and 1885 feels very recent in terms of linguistics. But like for slang that's used, I mean, like I, I would have put it much later than that, honestly. Like, like I'm going to wing it does not sound like an 1800s term to me. You know what I mean? True. That's, I don't know. That's really cool. It kind of reminds me of, um, do you know where the term break a leg comes from? <gasps> no. It's <was> theater. <laughs> but. It, yeah, it is, it is theater. The curtains that hang down on, on either side of the stage that like keep the audience from being able to see you into the wings are called the legs. And so break a leg is speculated to be like when you come back on stage for an encore, uh. you have to, to break through the, the <laughs> curtains. So you'd be breaking a leg, much less uh, gruesome than it sounds. That's, that's poetic. Uh. All right. What else have you for us? Well, not along that line at all. <laughs> I'm going to tackle the word autopsy because this one's really interesting. Yay! It's a great word. It's such a good word. And if you look at it, just the parts of it, you can figure out like where they came from and what they should mean pretty easily. But in the modern sense, autopsy is sort of the same as postmortem. It's a dissection of a body to determine the cause of death. And that mm-hmm. came around in the 1670s, maybe... But the original meaning of the word is auto, self, and opsy, opsis, which relates to eyesight. Mm -hmm. And so literally it means being an eyewitness or seeing something for yourself. So you could be like, man, I've heard really good things about, I don't know, Elizabeth Warren. But in order to really tell you whether or not I think she'd be a good president, I need an autopsy, (laughs) which would be a weird thing to say. And then the FBI might be at your door. But Mm -hmm. you would just mean that like you'd need to see it for yourself. And I I think they're not super clear about this, but the French had the term, I'm going to butcher this, autopsy 
cadaveric with the sense of seeing for yourself a dead body, uh, mm-hmm. cadaver being a dead body. And then that that would have been shortened and repurposed probably by like the 17th century to get a, a sense of like, you have to see the dead body for yourself to understand what the cause of death was. But before that, it was just like seeing anything for yourself, eyewitness account. Cool. Yeah. That reminds me of the the way that abortion came to be as a mm. definition. Yeah. P- procure an abortion instead of just right. you know, have one spontaneously. Postmortem, though, just in case, needs to be used as an adjective that implies a substantive following it. Oh, yeah. It's sort of like, well, you can use post as the prefix and add whatever you want as the suffix, and then it describes that, but as an adjective. You could say, I'm going to go for a post-breakfast walk, and you're describing walk with post-breakfast. Right. And so as the function of an adjective. And if you use postmortem, I know that in English... You can say someone is, what, conducting a postmortem? Yeah. The autopsy is implied in that statement. So you're doing a postmortem autopsy. Mm-hmm. Hopefully you're not going to ever do one. <laughs> Hopefully yeah. you're not going to do a pre-mortem autopsy. But mm-hmm. <laughs> but since autopsy just means a seeing for oneself, that would be fine. It would, a pre-mortem autopsy would be you just walking into the hospital and being like, what up, Dolores? Yeah. <laughs> you might die soon. <laughs> yeah, it's the And it's I wanted to see it for myself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll come around for round two, but uh, until then, hang tight. All right. I have a pretty sounding word for you that looks mm. kind of like how it feels to watch an ice skater pull off a cool twist. Oh, okay. It's called persiflage, and it is very light. Indeed, it describes light bantering talk or writing. Okay, and it goes back to French first to of course it persiflage. Does. It's exactly the same spelling, which comes from the French persifier, which is to banter, and then age in French is the noun-forming prefix, uh, suffix. Pardon me. And as it is with English, we get back to Latin at some point. The per prefix combines the meaning thoroughly with the siffler suffix, which is to whistle and hiss. So you get. Thoroughly whistle hiss. This is all related, the sifflet to whistle or hiss part, that's related to sibilare in Latin, which is to whistle and hiss. And that's how you get to things like sibilance. That's how you talk about a type of consonant in the international phonetic alphabet. Sibilants are whistly, hissy consonants. That's how they teach it to you, too. They're like, all right, kids, we've gotten to the whistly, hissy part of language. (laughs) Buckle up. (laughs) We're all snakes now. Hiss, hiss, motherfucker. (laughs) So sizzle, for example, has some siffle in it. Not to be mistaken for souffle. And persiflage is not... The same as small talk. Think of it as some very light conversation. It might be heartfelt, but it's still light. I'm I'm also seeing like a, a definition of light and slightly contemptuous mockery or banter. <gasps> Ooh. Yeah, that's not from the Merriam-Webster, which is what I usually use. But the Merriam-Webster says frivolous bantering talk, light raillery, which, I mean, if you say like, we were getting our light raillery on. I would not assume you were talking about banter, but uh, it's almost like if you wanted to take the romantic or sexual overtones out of flirt, although that does. I mean, everything in French sounds like it could be sexual if you just tried hard enough. Yes, that's all I have to say about persiflage. Mm. Well, aside from a, an ending word that we definitely shouldn't discuss, uh, I am out. So if you have any uh, any other entries... 
No, I'm good. You ready for this? Are you ready for this cap? This is gonna it's just gonna be bad. This is a bad one. Hit me. Okay. First I wanna I wanna just back up a little bit. <laughs> okay. You might you might know uh, a delightful airy confection found in many carnivals and fairs across the land as cotton candy. Mm. Delightful term. In you know, in England and, and such it might be called candy floss or fairy floss. Very whimsical. In French, it's called a. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say this wrong, but it's a barbaret de papa, which means <laughs> daddy's beard. <laughs> Please don't we'll eat talk. daddy's beard ever if you were no. a child. <laughs> Thank well, you all. <laughs> nibble, but then decides oh, okay. disgusting. Okay, we're done. No nibbling right, on done. daddy's beard. We will talk to you in the future. Uh,